JP Productions. You are now listening to the Sierra Unraveled podcast. This space was created to inspire, to encourage, and to connect all those who have gone through life and managed to stay sane. I mix my own personal drama, (laughs) I mean trauma, mental health, motherhood, domestic violence awareness, spirituality, and a whole lot of Sierra Unraveled. I'm so glad you're here. Welcome back to another episode of Sierra Unraveled. On this episode, I have a lovely, personable, funny, gorgeous, and authentic soul from Ben, Oregon. She is a behavioral health therapist with a person-centered slash relationship-based approach. Her practice focuses on compassion, empowerment, and healing. She helps her clients through trauma, depression, anxiety, abuse, gender issues, codependency, and relationship problems. Not to mention, she too is a writer, mentor, and trauma survivor herself i.e. she's just the kind of person that I would have on my show. Sometimes you guys listen better when it comes from someone you don't know, so please help me welcome Christy Collins, aka Trauma Queen Christy, to the show. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. (laughs) I'm excited too. Is this your first show or first podcast? No, I've done done a handful in the past, so, but I always love it. I love connecting with people and um, getting to, like, have real conversations, so, yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. I'm super glad to have you. So, there are, like, so many different forms of therapy. Can you explain what behavioral health therapy is? Oh, my goodness. Yeah, that's, like, a loaded question. I mean, there are so many different forms um, and, and people, like, niches, if you will, that people can specialize in. Um, so, I mean, behavioral health therapy is just something it's going to help to help you process your trauma, to help you, um, create new neural pathways, to help you learn new skills to cope, et cetera. Um, any, I mean, therapists range from like really psychoanalytic, if you want to talk about like Freudian psychology, um, which, you know, there are, there are, uh, in my opinion, there are perils of, of wisdom from all of them, but I primarily operate, um, is what we would call Rogerian, a Rogerian therapist. So Carl Rogers was one of the founding fathers of psychology. He created personal, person-centered relationship-based therapy. It's just, it's helping people um, find what's inside of them and guiding them gently with relationship and unconditional positive regard. Um, and so for me, I'm not necessarily going to be like over psychoanalytic or have like major, um, really off the wall recommendations, but I, I love to like nurture people and guide them and hear their stories. And I use like, I mean, it's really common, like cognitive behavioral therapy, which is literally helping you not only tell your story and process your past, but then, um, learning how to create new neural pathways in your brain to change your brain and to get unstuck. And that's kind of, um, and DBT, which is another form of that cognitive behavioral therapy which is dialectical behavioral therapy and it's 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 funny it's just skills everybody can use it teaches us to stop learn in the moment and things that aren't working for us and to learn to recognize our body signs and what's happening examine that and then dbt helps us learn um it gives us a bag of tricks of new skills that we can implement in that moment um so it's not just like let's talk about this which is great but it's also like And now what can we do to create um, change in your life to impact change? So, yeah. So when you first started, did you automatically go towards this form of therapy or do you always like use a combination of the few? 
I use a combination. You know, what's really funny for me is, um, this is like a tidbit. I, I was really into like, once I decided to focus on being a student, um, which was hard for me because I, I grew up in trauma and I, but once I like kind of stabilized as an adult and created some more resiliency in my life, um, I became a really good student and I was really into traditional academia and, uh, really focused and then, um, finished my undergrad, like worked really hard with honors and wanted to get into these prestigious programs. And somebody recommended a school in Vermont. It's like a hippie liberal progressive school in Vermont. They were like, I think this is right up your alley. Um, and it was called, it's called Goddard college is where my master's is from. And, um, those who know Goddard really know Goddard. Um, and I went there and that changed my entire trajectory as a therapist. It was like, I had worked in like County mental health and in systems and kind of treatment mills, pushing people through before that in my career. And I've always been more of an empathetic, compassionate, nurturing person. And that wasn't necessarily valued within those systems. And then when I went to Goddard, it was like, it was just my mind blew open. Like the first time I really encountered like-minded people and it was like, oh, there's a different, there's a different way to practice. There's a different way to approach um, this process as opposed to just like cold and clinical. And um, yeah. And then of course they teach other things there, but it was just, just loving and compassion and empathetic love, love. I can't talk. <laughs> Empathy compassion, nurture, um, you know, and, and learning about being person-centered. And so that was uh, a really cool experience for me. Yeah, I'm glad you found your niche. I feel like a lot of people do jobs that they don't like or they start they start something and then once they start doing it, it's not what they expected and then they don't know how to maneuver within that career to like learn to love it again and you've mastered that. So awesome. Can you explain the different um, ways that trauma can occur, the different forms that it can take you know, that is an interesting question because, and I put the statistic up and I'm sorry, I don't have the reference. I had it in the, the post that I did, um, I think last spring, that 90% of citizens in the United States um, have experienced some sort of identifiable trauma by the time we hit age 18. So yeah, I, it's, it's huge when it's normal, quote unquote, right? I don't like to use that word, but um, I don't get overly precious with my language because I just talk a lot. Um, but yeah, and so when we look at that, that trauma is anything that um, like impacts your brain's ability to cope, right? And so trauma is relative. I say like you and I could be in the same car accident and you could have like a full body cast and be in the hospital for a month and I could come out with a broken wrist and I could be so traumatized that I never want to get in a car again. And you could get out of the hospital and drive yourself home, right? Depending on a lot of factors. Well, once you're healed, but it's just trauma is relative to the individual. So I think sometimes people think like of PTSD, like they're going to think of like, you know, soldiers or people that have been through extreme abuse and violence or domestic violence. And that's, that's what trauma is. But um, trauma is, is losing a parent. Trauma is, I mean, on the adverse childhood experience assessment, um, divorce, having your parents get divorced is traumatic. I mean, it, there's, it's anything that affects your brain's ability to cope really. Um, And so, yeah. How um, does trauma affect the body and the brain 
when when it occurs um well trauma in like early child well it always affects your brain in early childhood it literally affects the way your brain develops when we look at attachment theory which i'm i'm pretty into um but it literally it changes the way your brain develops and and creates neural pathways differently um and we always say i know there's bessel van der kolk who's one of the the big leading um psychologist psychiatrists in the united states right now wrote the body keeps the score which is all about how we hold trauma in our body and i think one of the biggest ways and i know that it's really um gaining uh we're really gaining awareness is our central nervous system and how you know our bodies are completely hijacked our central nervous system is hijacked and activated when we experience that stress and now we're getting into this is like a whole can of worms because I'm really digging into some somatic experience and inner like working on your nervous system and how to regulate that because I'm coming up against in my own personal journey um it's like man I'm I'm an expert not not to be like whatever but I've worked really hard and learned a lot and I still get stuck I still get activated and that's very and I have all of these skills and I'm continually learning, but that's, that's frustrating for me. And I've done a lot of therapy. And then I sit in a room with my clients and I'm like, I want to give them more. So to look at like the talk therapy and the processing and the skills, but also like, you know, the somatic piece of it. And like, how can we regulate our nervous system? Because um, really you can have all the skills in the world. And when you're activated, it's like, it's, it's really difficult. So, yeah. Yeah, and it affects every every person's every person differently, like you said, with a car accident. So it's hard to say. Yeah. Yeah. So um, as a trauma survivor yourself, do you feel like, well, you kind of just touched on it. You transitioned for me. Thank you. <laughs> um, it's a lifelong task then. Like, it's never over. You, you can learn it every single day for the rest of your life, and you still won't have it all under wraps because it's just impossible. Yeah. Yeah. I mean... And I think like, I try to get away from, yes, for sure. And it's, it's, I always say healing is not a linear process and, you know, something can come up and after you've been okay for a while, then you can be activated and that can feel really daunting, I think for people. Um, but I, I do think it gets better. I do think that we learn things, we learn skills, we learn to regulate our central nervous system. We learn about our attachment, um, in a lot of different things that, that it gets better and, and easier. But I, I don't think it's like, there's an end point, right? Like I think it is a lifelong journey that said, I mean, nobody has ever lived a life and, and just been like, well, it's just all sunshine and rainbows and, and perfect. So whatever your affliction is, you know, whether that's trauma or some kind of like physical you know, biological illness or, or whatever. I think it's all kind of um, a lifelong journey. And, and this is certainly no exception to that rule. When do you think your healing journey started? And like, how? Well, I guess just like, first, can you share your upbringing and um, what pushed you into becoming or wanting to become a therapist? Yeah, Um so my, I like describe my childhood as it could literally be like a bad, and when I say bad, I don't mean like, I just mean like horrific HBO miniseries. Um, just it's, it's that effed up. 
basically screwed up. It's just, uh, sorry, I don't know if I'm allowed to say that. Um, but no, you are. You're okay. good. You're you're good. <laughs> yeah, and so you know, I I I grew up in Appalachia. I mean, teenage parents, all the stereotypes of poverty and domestic violence and drug abuse and. My mom had major, my mom was an addict. She passed away a couple of years ago. Um, and yeah, uh, my dad was really extremely abusive, uh, military family, all these, all these cliche cliches. Uh, I'm really, really uh, um, putting this in a nutshell right now, but I ended up basically living on the streets with my mom as a kid in California. And she was, um, literally like uh prostituting for meth at that point and like I would steal food I mean we were in the city mission I would steal food from the 7-eleven for my brother and I I was like seven eight years old um so pretty and then she, you know she we had men in and out of her life and um eventually I went into foster care at age 11 uh and went through a few foster homes. Some of them were were great people. Um, I I have really, I have opinions about the foster care system, both from a personal and professional standpoint. I just, um, it's really hard. It's hard to go into foster care uh, when you've lived a certain way your entire life. I think sometimes, even if they're great people, foster parents kind of have. It's like they think they're saving you or they're doing you a favor and they expect you to be grateful. And really you have no idea what that even means. You don't know what boundaries are. You're manipulative. You are just trying to survive. It's all, that's how you've lived your entire life. So why would you, it's like taking somebody who's been dirty their entire life, throwing them in a shower and not only expecting them to like know what to do about, know what to do and how to handle it, but to be happy. And they're not happy. It's awful. You know, it's, it's a miserable, weird experience. And so um, I ended up randomly in a group home at age 16. I blew out of a couple foster homes. Um, and uh, that was easier for me. Or I, was, I wasn't 16. I was actually like 14 when I ended up in the group home. But it was easier for me. And I kind of just wanted to stay there. And um, then trying, it wasn't like fitting into a family didn't feel very natural for me at that point. And so at age 16... I ended up like on my own and doing independent living and um, yeah, that's kind of that story in a nutshell. Um, the healing process is interesting because I was always that kid, especially I didn't get in big trouble. I was too afraid to get in big trouble. I was very afraid. Uh, I'd learned from my parents' mistakes. I was very afraid of like alcohol and drugs and like sex and those things. So I like walked the line as a kid and especially once I went on my own, because I didn't want to get put back into foster care. But um, I did well. I was a people pleaser. I sang. I did a lot of music stuff and, um, you know, a decent student and all those things. And I went to counseling, um, a lot of therapy as a kid. And uh, by the time I was in my early 20s, I met someone and, and got married. And what was interesting about that for me was that I was like, yeah, look how, look how smart and resilient I am. And I've just overcome all this stuff and I'm great. And, you know, and I, but I wasn't, I really wasn't at all. Like I had, I had so many things that I hadn't actually dealt with. Like I just kind of survival dealt with them. If that makes sense. Yeah. You didn't process. You didn't take the time to process. 
Yeah, and I didn't understand myself because I was a kid. You know, I was like a kid when I got married, <laughs> and uh, and so um, I really started uh, started struggling probably in my in my early thirties with um, questioning the life I had chosen, and things started really just coming up. Like it always comes, it comes back up if we don't deal with it right, and and so um, I had twins. I have eleven year old twins now. I had them in my late twenties. And, and, uh, I just kind of, um, if we want to get into the therapeutic part of it, the shadow, the shadow side really came out for me and I had to really um, dig in and it was a really dark period. I blew up my life. Like I hurt some people. I made some decisions that I'm definitely not proud of. I understand now why I made them like, and, and that desperation and all the unresolved shit basically that I had to deal with. So through that process, though, my marriage ended um, and my whole life just changed, you know, overnight. This like perfect little picture that I had painted or the box that I tried to fit into and I never did, like it was done. And that's when the real work began for me. Um, So yeah, I, I really dug into therapy. I really dug into like understanding my trauma, like that long, hard look in the mirror that is, it's ugly, a lot of guilt, a lot of shame, a lot of things that I had never overcome. Um, everything, everything came up at one time. And so, and that's how I got here. <laughs> yeah. Do you still feel like you struggle with shame and guilt from time to time or? You know, I, I do. Um, it's not as bad as it was. I think the point where I really struggle is like my childhood is not like, I know that I'm kind of blameless in that, right? Right. Like I didn't do anything to create those circumstances. And I was, and the way that I survived was by like being good and walking a line and I never got in trouble and I was a good student and I got married and I went to church and I did all these things that they were quote unquote, right? Then when the point where I have the the, the shame and guilt is, is, uh, where I blew everything up and I made some choices. It was like I had an adolescent rebellion in my early thirties, which is really, you got to get it out, girl. You got to get it out. <laughs> yeah. It's really an inconvenient time. <laughs> I mean, like a mother and a wife and a therapist and all this stuff. But it, like, like I said, it, it, it was not absolutely all necessary, but it's, it's just uh the shame and guilt of like always trying to walk that line. Cause that was how I dealt with my trauma, but then also, you know, hurting people. That's, I did hurt some people. I made some decisions that affected others. And I think that's where I um, had been stuck for a while. And probably over the past like year or so have recently really kind of like put my head down and worked through some of that. So it was like my own created trauma, but really was it right. Cause it's all residual, but. Yeah. So what happened or when did you start really embracing your story and like sharing with the world really just like all that you've gone through and just being okay with everything like it is what it is. This is me, you know? Yeah. Um, That has been a really interesting evolution because I as a kid, I spent my entire like I was in that group home and around other foster kids and I really um, I people would say, Oh, I never would have thought you, you grew up like that. And I'm like, good, great. 
and I and I was never like I heard other kids like kind of milk it and use their stories and I, I was like I had way too much pride for that so um when I started my private practice a few years ago um I started just my page which is now my trauma queen Christie page um and it was something totally different and then all of a sudden, like I started just sharing I, through my own process, through my own therapy, through my own healing and, and dealing with stuff and rebuilding my life. I started sharing the things that I was working on and the things that I was learning and the insights. Cause then I had both the personal and professional and it's like, there's a quote, I think it's CS Lewis when it's like friendship is born in that moment where you say, meet someone I'm butchering it. But then he's like, um, Oh, you do that too? Or you too? I thought I was the only one. Mm-hmm. And I kind of think that's what's happened is I just got real honest. <laughs> I started sharing that process. And then that's, that's how this all came about. And, and I realized too, I was like, oh my gosh, like this thing that I've been hiding, this journey, like that when I was younger, and that was also part of my stuffing, my trauma, right? That I had so much shame about. And now it's like, it's so amazing. I get to hear people just pour their hearts out to me and people connect and, and, um, and it's really validating. I think not only for other people, but for me through this, because it's like, Oh yeah, we are all going through this. Like this is, yeah, you know, it's not, and that's the shame, right? Like Brene Brown says, you know, like shame can't survive in a place, you know, where empathy lives basically. Again, I butcher these quotes, but, (laughs) and that's and that's really like what we're creating is that, that community. And, um, I think it's really important to be honest. Like I've had a lot of, I, like I said, I'm not precious with my language and I, and I'm, I'm writing this book and I'm going to tell some ugly truths about myself and, uh, you know, and I'm not, not because I'm proud of them, but because I think it's, it's, it's just the truth and it's necessary and it's all part of my journey. And I think it's just important to be honest and, you know, it's yeah. like, I always say like the grit and grace thing, like, you know, or no shame, only grace. Like I, I, uh, yeah, like I, I love you and you also need to knock that shit off. Right? <laughs> like, so it's kind of that. And that's how I sort of operate as a therapist is like, I will like give you so much compassion and empathy and whatever else, but I'm also going to be like, mm, what are you, what are you doing with that? So, yeah. Sorry, I feel like I'm rambling. No, no, you're totally good. I think everything that you're talking about is right on topic. It's somebody needs to hear everything you're saying because I myself like struggle even still like with this whole year of me podcasting and dropping tidbits of my life and then incorporating other people's lives into it. It's like, oh, I don't want to share. I don't want to share, but I know that I have to. And at the end of the day, it is what it is. I can't change it. So let's just embrace it and live with it. And then it's so empowering too that it like it makes me want to keep going because I'm like somebody needs to hear it. So you're not you. rambling. I'm grateful for everything you just said. <laughs> um, who were your main supporters during your in the beginning of your healing journey to now, or are they the same? Um, you know that's been really interesting. So I'm really blessed. I don't have uh, my extended family. Uh, well, A, they're very dysfunctional and toxic, but my mom has passed away. I don't, my dad is estranged. Um, and, you know, I've burned some bridges as well, um, but also everything comes full circle. So I have one aunt that I'm really close to. But other than that, 
I have just this amazing network of, of chosen family of people like that surround me that, um, I mean, have literally like picked me up off the ground crying and, and, uh, talked me off the, the ledge and, you know, um, throughout the last several years. And so, um, and, and I, you know, I, gosh, I can't, <laughs> do I mention names, but no, I, you don't have to. Yeah. I mean, I love them and I, and they know who they are, but I will tell you like, um, I'm never alone. I was actually thinking that the other day. Cause I, I was thinking about, um, I have my kids and they're just beautiful and wonderful. And, um, I actually have a great relationship with my ex-husband and his new wife now. And, and it's, we have a great co-parenting relationship and I'm so thankful for that. Ah. <laughs> I love to hear it because I, I, I like got stuck, but I like needed to clap because like that is like the dream. Like not a lot of women get to experience like that good co-parenting. I hope you do too. And you know what? It, it was, it was rough. I mean, for a minute, but um, you know, my kid's dad is a really great human being and I still have a lot of love for him and, and he's great. He's a great father. And his, their stepmom is, she loves them and treats them good. And like, what more can you ask for, you know, as a parent? And so um, I'm, I'm very grateful for that. Um, but yeah, I have, I'm, I think like sometimes like about, you know, like, oh, not, you know, being single or not being married or whatever. And, and like, sometimes you have these kind of like lonely thoughts, then I'm like, oh my gosh, you're not, I'm never alone. Like, I'm never alone unless I want to be alone. Right. Like I have so many people that have, have been there for me and vice versa. I'm really big on um, both professionally and personally on showing up for people like, you know, and I, and this is like kind of a rabbit trail, but um, I, I hear about like, you know, a lot of like suicidality, suicide, suicidal ideation and passive suicidal ideation and the moments in life where people um, like, I hear people talk like after they've lost someone to suicide or, whatever. And, and, you know, and they're like, Oh, I wish I would have known. I wish whatever. And, and I recognized in my own life, like all the moments where people have called me or needed someone or, or whatever. And it's like, what were they saying? Like how much attention was I paying? Did I really show up? So I'm really big on like, sometimes you can give people your time. Sometimes you can feed them. Sometimes you can give them money or love or nurture or whatever. Um, but I feel like that's just been a huge example for me from my own community um, who has shown up for me and uh, literally cheerleaded and held me on and fed me and all those things. So, yeah. Um, so the last little bit here is just um, so how do we get more people into therapy? Like, how do people know if they need to seek therapy and what can we do about like, I, th I think it's very important. Therapy has such a bad stigma. Like, I personally didn't feel like I ever needed to go to therapy. And I feel like it was super helpful for me in my journey. And a lot of people are embarrassed. So what, what, what do we do? You know, I have the personal belief that everybody needs therapy. And I, not just as a therapist. I mean, I think we do things to take care of ourselves. Like people, we exercise or we eat good or, you know, we do self-care like for our physical body or we get checkups for our health and we get, you know, exams and we get our teeth cleaned and, and whatever else. So, so why would we not think that our brains and our like psychologically, we need that same kind of support. And so I, I really, um, 
I think like breaking the stigma, like you were saying, is a huge part of it. I think talking about things, you know, I've had other, other therapists that are like, oh, I don't really like this word or I don't like that word. And I'm like, I don't, you know, and it's really common to not like the word suicide. Like people don't want to talk about suicide. They don't want to talk about trauma. They want to talk about abuse. They don't want to talk about, um, you know, any, a lot of these things, triggers. That's another word that people don't like right now. And I'm like, okay, like we, we got to just get on it. <laughs> like for me, I'm like, I just want to get honest about this stuff that, that we're all experiencing it for the most part. Right. I mean, 90% of people in the United States, by the time they hit age 18, that's a huge majority. And I, I honestly don't know how it's not a hundred percent. Um, and so I think breaking the stigma, really digging in and talking about things, I think a huge part of like the platform, you know, that we're trying to promote on social media, which is normalizing it, normalizing, you know, um, behavioral health, mental health, um, normalizing trauma, um, and, and talking about it really candidly is, is a huge, huge first step, uh, being trauma informed in general in our society is something that I hope about across all platforms um, we really start to embrace. So, you know, being trauma informed is just to go into anything, any interaction you have with the like understanding that this person has likely been through some kind of trauma or some kind of traumatic experience. And it's not asking like, what's wrong with you, but what ha instead of what happened to you? Like, what have you been through? How'd you get here? Not like you're bad, what's wrong? And so I think like if, if any of us approach life and relationships from, you know, a therapeutic relationship or a parenting relationship or an interaction with a barista, you know, in a trauma informed manner, I think like that is a really big start to starting to, to break the stigma and to, um, you know, gain empathy and compassion, which I feel like we're at a place collectively globally right now where, um, because of the pandemic and because of everything that's happened, like there is a lot more grace and understanding for, for some of the, the issues that people face. And I continually say, you know, we have more than one public health crisis on our hand right now. And I think that, yeah, the mental health concern is, is vast and uh, it's bringing a lot of things to the forefront. And so um, I think therapy can be hard because it's expensive and I get that. I, I get that, you know, um, not everybody can afford that. And so I would say like, if you can, and if you can invest in it and, and talk to, you know, um, a therapist, a lot of therapists have insurance or sliding fee scales, um, and different ways to work with you financially. Um, I know that I personally would have a really hard time just turning someone away. Like I try to work with people as much as possible. Um, but I also think like if you absolutely can't, right, and you, you can't afford it, you can't go, you can't, or you're in a situation where maybe it's dangerous and you don't have access to those resources, then I think um, then access what you do, what you can. So whether that's um, books or podcasts or, I mean, there's so many amazing like therapeutic resources on social media these days. And I always say like mental health posts, or therapeutic posts are great. They're not therapy, but I think, you know, digging in and, and joining up with some of those communities is a really good place to start. I have, I mean, I have books that I recommend to like everyone and my clients. Um, one of them uh, is, uh, it's called Attached by Rachel Levine and Amir. 
oh my goodness, it's I'm drawing a blank, but it's just a really good uh, way to understand your attachment and how you got where you are as an adult um, and how you have relationships. The other big one uh, for someone really wanting to dig into trauma and how it affects the body is the body keeps the score. I think every therapist is like, you know, that's kind of a manual um, by Bessel van der Kolk. So anyway, I, I think there are a lot of resources, but I think if you can go to therapy, um, it's awesome. And one great thing about what millennials brought in, I think I'm technically a millennial, is that millennial, like it, it's it's a shift. It's a paradigm shift of like, you know, the generations before us, uh, Generation X and in the baby boomers, and it's kind of more like put your head down, tough it through, tough it out, deal with it through other means, substances, what gambling, whatever, or don't deal with it. But um, millennials love therapists. And it's always the joke that like millennials love to talk about their attachment style. <laughs> but I love it because because I think that's huge progress. No, I think that like everything, like especially like approaching relationships and different people um, just out in the world every day, like gas stations, your waitress, um, your your coworkers, like any any person that you interact with, you have you approach it with like you never know what they're dealing with kind of mentality. So like when people get angry or they're like being irate towards other people and I'm like, why are they acting like that? I'm always in my head like you don't know their life and like that allows me to have more empathy and compassion towards them. And then also if I feel like it's coming towards me, I don't take it personal because I'm like, that's not my it's not my problem, but also I don't need to like dish it back out to them just because they're having a really rough day. I don't know what happened to them before they came in here or before I had an interaction with them. So I think we're on the right. the up and up of like mental health and like changing the stigma and just allowing people to be themselves and empathizing with others like it's a lot better my mom always jokes like this generation is so sensitive like they cry about everything and I'm like but also it's really good because we've been trained to like for generations to suppress our feelings and talk about what's going on and now we're actually able to talk about it and it's hopefully in the long term like the longevity of of evolution of like humans and relationships it's going to get better and we're going to treat people better because this is something we haven't really done before in the past. Yeah, I agree a hundred percent. And I think there has been a paradigm shift and, you know, social media is a huge part of that too, right? Like just, we have access to resources that we never have before. And I know that's a double-edged sword. I get that completely, but um, you know, I think it's probably really beneficial to a lot of people to have, some of those mental health um, resources that in the past they never would have had. Yeah. So, so um, how can my audience connect with you? I know we spoke earlier. You're only licensed to um, work as a therapist in Oregon, but you are doing trauma coaching or trauma mentoring. I can't, I think that's what you called it. Yeah. I mean, coaching, talk about a buzzword, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, but I also, I have, Per my Trauma Queen page, I have, um, it's at Trauma Queen Christy on Instagram, Christy with a C-H and a Y. Um, I, I have a lot of people reach out to me like globally um, and I can't, I can't give traditional therapy, but, but um, I've started doing, you know, trauma coaching um, with some of those people and just working through like through your trauma and how do you implement different skills in your day-to-day -day life and um, 
just it's taking like a less formal approach, which I actually really appreciate. And I kind of wonder that I might lean in that direction um, throughout everywhere I work in the future. I, I feel like it suits me and I, um, I don't always, you know, I like to just get real with people. And I think coaching, trauma coaching allows you to do that. But I also do um, still take clients here in Oregon, um, in person and online. And that's at the, the traumaqueenchristy.com. Um, so yeah, and I'm working on getting my own podcast established. So that's a new fun, new project. And also, um, I'm working on my first book, which is kind of a mashup of, uh, a memoir and, a cyclet and all, all that kind of stuff. I would just tell people I'm mess with an education yeah so. that's me I always say that too well definitely like in the future like once everything's put together we will reconnect and like I'll drop the links in my in my show notes so that way people can connect with you like we'll keep it up to date so cool. but I just like seriously want to thank you Chrissy for getting on Sierra Unraveled today um I think there are a lot of women that need to hear your story and mine as well and a lot of other women that I'm able and blessed to be able to bring on my show and connect us all together because even though things may not have always played in our favor we can always change the narrative and come out on top and inspire others and it's just such a great thing to be able to have technology to do this kind of thing so yeah Thank you so much for coming on. All right. Well, as always, thanks for tuning in to another episode of Sierra Unraveled. And like I always say, stop letting them unravel you because only you can unravel yourself.